following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Ming's not unbeatable. With all his men, he couldn't even kill Flash. Gordon's alive! Welcome to Flash Gordon Minute, presenting your hosts... From Minute of Darkness and the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast, Brad. And introducing your intrepid explorer of Planet Mongo, Eric. It is Minute 81 of Flash Gordon Minute. Jeez, it's Minute 81. Eric, where has the time gone? I don't know, Brad, but today I'm feeling very tractable. That's good. That's good to have a tractable feel. Have a tractable feeling, and uh, I feel good myself because we have a fantastic guest, Eric. Who do we have with us this evening? Yes, let's find out if he is tractable as well. Joining us this week, comedian and writer Joseph Scrimshaw. I am tractable. Oh, I want to right. be tractable. Good. It's two of us. <laughs> Too tractable. Joseph, uh, really excited to uh, to have you on this week. Um, I was, uh, and as we were sort of saying in the green room, uh, I'm a terrible researcher uh, because we spend too much time just editing and putting the damn show together. But I did <laughs> have a chance to go to your YouTube page and uh, some fantastic comedy. I, I really, uh, I laughed out loud several times, uh, which I'm not the easiest person to make laugh out loud. So uh, really good stuff. So, uh, well, and, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate any time I can hear laugh out loud and somebody actually says it out loud and means it <laughs> instead of it being attached to a nasty tweet. <laughs> Before we dive in, Joseph, how would you describe your comedy? Uh, it definitely has a lot of uh, pop culture content usually, but in general, I think I really like the extremes of super absurd and a little bit more uh, kind of digging for the why of something. Like uh, if it's talking about pop culture, trying to get into the meat of it, if it's talking about an experience, trying to get to the kind of heart of why do people do things like bar crawls, which are kind of illogical on the surface. So I like super big, super loud, super absurd stuff, but I also like getting into kind of the, the meat of things, too. Oh, I saw your uh, bar crawl video. I love that. And uh, if we have a chance later, we're going to have some bar crawl talk because I got a <laughs> decent bar crawl story that goes... Okay, all right. But, but that's not what we're here for. We are here for Minute 81 of Flash Gordon. Eric, so set us up. What happens in this minute? Well, we're picking it up in the middle of Ming's incredible offer to Flash that we, we chopped off in the middle at the end of last week. He is offering Flash. He wants Flash to join him. He does not want to kill Flash. He wants Flash to join his side. And this is absolutely fascinating. Ming does not hate Flash. He respects him. He's got an eye for talent. This is a very smart <laughs> move. It's like in Citizen Kane when Charles Foster Kane hires all the people working for the competitor's newspaper. He recognizes this guy. Hey, instead of having this guy trying to kill me, let's get him on my side. He's offering Flash his own kingdom. Max von Sydow was so damn cool and charming and, dare I say, likable in this scene. Oh, he's great in this minute, yeah. Yeah, just his mouth. If you could just isolate his mouth. You know, like when you do those, uh, like Conan O'Brien used to do the, uh, the frozen face and then the sure. moving lips. Sometimes he looks like that in a good way. It's like there's so much lip acting. So much in lips. And then just the eyes are almost dancing. And what was it, uh, the, the, the stupid uh, thing that 
Tyra Banks would talk about on America's Top Model. Got everyone I'm married. These are the things you watch when you're married. A lot of America's <laughs> Top Model, and also a lot of Bachelorette. So, but uh, yeah, she would talk about smiling with your eyes, and they called it smiles because smiling with your eyes wasn't stupid enough. Uh, but yeah, that's what Max von Dadaus is doing. He is smiling with his eyes, and they're just so playful. And it's it just shows when you have a really, really good actor. No matter how silly the costume, no matter how campy the dialogue, no matter how inexperienced the actor they're working against, a great actor can really do amazing stuff with just the simplest of dialogues. And it was amazing. Just amazing stuff. Do you, do you know from your, your research into this film how much Max von Sydow himself had made a choice of whether to play it straight? Or whether to play at camp, because I, I, you know, reading a little bit, I know everybody had a different idea of what was going on on set. We talked about uh, an interview that Sam Jones did once, where uh, Max von Sydow was was shooting his close-ups, and he needed Sam Jones there, you know, off camera <laughs> to, to to play off of him, you know, while he ran the lines. And uh, you know, Sam Jones basically said, "Wow, you know, uh, you know, this is you know incredible that you know you do this." And he said, "Well, I'm going to do the same for you." And I, you know, this this is this is being an actor. This is what you do: is you take care of your your fellow actors. You come, you do your job. So he certainly took it very seriously. As far as oh the yeah, way he, you know the way he played the character, I think he's just having a lot of fun. You know, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, he's you know he's known for more you know serious stuff. You know, like The Exorcist, Seventh Seal. I think he's just having a blast. Yeah, I love the picture of Max von Sydow saying, you know, in order to get that deep emotional response, I need this uh, emotional well that is Sam Jones <laughs> off screen <laughs> to really play off of. Uh, it's great. You know, and, and I always love that when you have these really serious actors and well-respected actors and you find out they have like a weird, quirky side. And you see it every now and then with Patrick Stewart Patrick Stewart with his uh, with his Instagram account where uh, there's Patrick Stewart dressed as a lobster for some reason. It's like, <laughs> okay. And uh, Christopher Lee, who I sort of hold in the same sort of esteem as Max von Sydow. They're both these just incredibly dignified uh, actors. And Christopher Lee put out a couple of metal concept albums. One called Sword in the Cross. And then they show him recording it. And I was like, but what the hell's going on? But it's just, he thought it'd be fun. And just because they're serious actors doesn't mean they're necessarily 100% all the time serious people. And, uh, you know, you, you, you see that with Max von Sydow just in his acting of this, or just being in this movie. It's like, ah, it, and it, it, it doesn't come across like he's just collecting a paycheck. No, not at all. Not in the slightest. Uh, he seems totally invested. Yeah, I, I did a lot of theater, uh, and y you, even with like really good serious actors, like all these guys come from the theater, you're going to find a lot more weirdos than uh, uptight people <laughs> who are like kind of the stereotype of serious actors. So a lot more lobster suits and heavy metal in the theater. Eric, what else do we have? Because this is a dialogue-heavy minute. There's actually not a whole lot of action to pick apart. It's sort of, you know, Flash and Ming just sort of bouncing things off each other. Um, I, one thing I wonder, I'm watching this, Flash isn't buying any of this for a second. He doesn't seem tempted. He doesn't even think like, he seem like he's contemplating pretending to take the offer. 
Yeah, I mean, he even says to Ming, you know, you're crazy. I mean, earlier in the movie, you know, he said this Ming's a psycho. He almost got himself killed. You know, now he's telling Ming, <laughs> you're crazy, right, to his face. And, and Ming completely nonplussed by that. Doesn't, you know, just lets that slip right by him. Uh, one of the things that I really liked in this uh, this minute, and I don't know if you talked about it before because I'm sure it was going on earlier, but, you know, there's always those things that you notice when you just watch it minute by minute that you don't when you just watch a movie. And the thing I really noticed was the constant light chime sound that is going on in the background of the uh, the Sky Palace there. And as I was listening to the minute of, you know, lots of space in between the dialogue and just the light chime sound in the background... It started to make me think that maybe that's why Voltan is not all there because he's being driven insane by the sounds of his own city. Just light <laughs> chimes in the background always would like make the, one like scream. the Americans in Cuba. Uh, with... <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's something Ming's doing to keep him uh, just off his rocker. <laughs> well, they are bird. They are bird people. So who knows? It might be one of those, you know, uh, things. You know, sonic things that only a bird can pick up or something. <laughs> Yeah, a bird in the whole audience, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> now, Brad, you mentioned how it's a dialogue-heavy minute, uh, and but but some good dialogue. And one which I've got to call out is how Ming says to Flash, you know, you're a hero, don't you see that? And my only thought is, well, of course he doesn't see that. He's a jet. The jets don't have heroes. <laughs> jets are used to being ghosts, and I ain't talking greatest of all time. They're just people who you blame for when everything goes... Uh goes belly up. So. Yeah, Jets haven't had a hero since Joe Namath 50 years ago. So I, I'm not huge on sports, so I get it. I, but I've, I've caught up on the context. The Jets are a poor team. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, we uh, Brad and I like to not mi- miss any opportunity to goof on the Jets. They're just <laughs> one of the lamer. The, the problem with the Jets is they were sort of at the beginning of what you consider to be the NFL, the early t- part of the, the Super Bowl era of football, they were a good team the first three years. Uh, and it was a New York team, so the media is all about them. And um, But then just over the last uh, 30 years, they've been at best a mediocre team. And they suffer the issue of there's two New York teams. There's the Giants and there's the Jets. The Giants have had significantly more success than the Jets. The Jets have made have had ownership and management that have made horrible decision after horrible decision. Uh, so uh, it's, it's sort of an also-ran team. Now, football is a weird sport because the way football is set up, you can have teams that are historically bad teams, and in one or two years, they could just suddenly become dominant, um, which happened with the New Orleans Saints, and Eric himself is a Seattle Seahawks fan, and they were right. sort of, you know, and uh, Eric, stop me if I'm wrong, but the Seahawks were always just sort of a team. They would be middle of the pack, and then a little bit less in the middle of the pack, and the last five years, they've been a perennial contender. Yeah, when I mean, Voltan until, joined, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> until ten years ago, the Seahawks were one of the teams always goofed on, you know. And then suddenly, now the last ten years, they've been one of the top franchises in the league. So was Flash made a, a member of the Jets just because it was a New York team? Is that why he's? <sighs> or if they were already back in in late seventies, early eighties, not a great team? Why was Flash, who is this great hero, why was he New York Jets? Yeah, we we have speculated about that. <laughs> I mean, we do not know why that's the team they chose. I mean, in, okay. you know. 
when this movie was made in 79, the top franchise in the sport would have been the Steelers and the Cowboys. It would have made much more sense to make him a Steeler or a Cowboy. Yeah. Uh, so I do not know why they chose him to be a Jet. Well, good for him. Uh, <laughs> I was happy with him. You were mentioning the dialogue being good. This was this minute had like one of the, I think, best lines, actually like really good lines, uh, when Ming, uh, 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 Flash asks, oh, so they'll be slaves, and Ming thinks for a moment and says they'll be satisfied with less. Yeah. That is like powerful and actually insightful. Like the whole movie has this very, like we're very aware of uh, making Ming like a Nazi and an authoritarian. But then this is more nuance of like, well, if you just kind of slowly erode people's freedom, if you slowly erode people's uh, enjoyment of life, they'll accept that you've got your boot on their neck. Like, damn, damn, Ming. One of the mistakes that people make is when something's campy or something has comedy or something's a little ridiculous, they think that that means the writing is poor or the dialogue can lack heft or intelligence. And you look at some of the better work by Mel Brooks, which could be really insightful and very cutting and have a lot of surprising intelligence. It's it's hard. (laughs) It takes hard work to make things look so effortlessly ridiculous. And, you know, Joseph, you're you're a comedian, you know, and... I've had a chance to to to, to listen to listen to watch some of your videos and stuff, and you you showed some interesting insight and some understanding and some some depth. Uh, it, it was great. Where uh, I saw one video where you were talking about how cool Batman is, what makes pa- Bat- Batman so interesting. But actually, it was interesting as the the video progressed. You got more into the guts of what makes Batman so interesting, touching upon the ridiculousness of it, but then going about how cool the character is. And that's, you know, I, I'm sure you, that you're not perhaps viewing that as your sort of magnum opus, but <laughs> but it was cool stuff, and comedy can be really cool and really smart and work on a couple levels, and that, Flash Gordon does that. And it's not something we've talked about too much over the run of the show, but Ming's actually really creepy and yeah. really dangerous, but he's also very cool and very charismatic. He, he's a dangerous, dangerous leader. Yeah, I mean, I think when I was, uh, I rewatched the whole movie last night, which, uh, thank you for the excuse to do that, because I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's been a long time. Uh, but yeah, I, it, it, it's, it was delightful and frustrating, because it seemed like the script did know what it was doing. And then there was, like, such clear disagreement among the actors, among some moments of the direction. Uh, but I feel like the general sort of uh, parody and the social commentary, it's, it's all there in the bones of the movie. And there's just parts where, you, like, I just wanted to execute it better, either comedically or idea-wise, you know. But it's it's a fascinating movie because it is, it's got all that stuff underpinning it, but sometimes it doesn't uh, hit the landing. Yeah, perhaps, well, yes. We have commented <laughs> about the uh, some of the decision-making and some of the acting, and we yeah. love Sam Jones, but he's not the most accomplished actor at this point. And, you know, he's, uh, eh, he, he still had some stuff to learn. I I enjoy I enjoy him even if it's uh even if it's just even on a meta level the just simpleness and the purity of it. it's not like he's got a complex character that's written he's just the hero I, I think I wrote down my notes he has like a really organized to do list save Earth 
protect and possibly marry Dale. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> he's just, he's such a, like, uh, reassuring, just slab of uh, humanity <laughs> that's just trying to do the right thing. Well, and we've talked in the past about other actors who were considered for the role or could have done the role. And there's really no actor, even though there was more experience and more... Um, positively viewed actors but they wouldn't have been able to, to do this and I, I know we talked about Kurt Russell Kurt Russell could have been an interesting Flash Gordon but it couldn't have been this Flash Gordon it, it would have been the sort of smart alley yeah it wouldn't have been quite as pure right Kurt Russell has an edge that Sam Jones doesn't bring and and <laughs> I don't think you want this Flash Gordon in this movie to have an edge no not at all uh, yeah, even even when he uh, he kills, uh, what is it, uh, Clytus? Yeah. Is that his name? When he kills Clytus, it really seems like, oh, too bad I had to throw you on the spikes, but I did. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Bye. <laughs> yeah, there's no enjoyment. There's no uh, trash talking. Yeah, yeah. Well, how's a jet going to trash talk? I mean, I you know. know. He, he hasn't had the practice. <laughs> Getting back to the minute, and what do, Eric, what do we think Ming's thought process is? Does he think Flash is going to take the offer? Uh, because on I, one hand, he, he Flash isn't doesn't look at all like he's being convinced. But I can't imagine Ming's used to people saying no to stuff like this. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is his first encounter with humans, and we'll get into some more next minute about uh, you know his thoughts about Dale as well. Uh, but you know, he he says, you know, I've, I've I've never met you know you're like you know you're a hero, and he's obviously he's impressed with humans. He he's fascinated by this species from this planet that he's currently attacking. And so you're right. Nobody says no to him. And they certainly don't say no to his face. And so I don't think he's making the offer if he thinks 100% Flash is going to say no. Maybe he's not sure he's going to get a yes, but I think he thinks there's at least a chance he's going to get a yes. Yeah, I feel like the story that they tell well is that, uh, which I think is true of societies, in my opinion, is Ming is ruling not just through military might, but from the assumption that no one can challenge him. And right. From every, and that gets explicit with even these great warriors of, you know, the Hawk people being like, no, we can't fight. Like, <laughs> you carry maces everywhere. Of course you can fight. You can fly. <laughs> You're fighters. But Ming has convinced all of society that, he is unstoppable, and I think that's one of the great, big, dopey, fun hero things about Flash, and I mean dopey in a good way, is that he just comes in and utterly upsets the system. It's like That's kind of like the most heroic thing he does, is just sort of blunder in and go, but what if not? What if no Ming? <laughs> and then it works. Flash is the first person in a long time to even think, yeah, it, it's been so long since somebody's even considered going up against Ming and Flash, he doesn't even consider it. He's like, oh, I mean, you're right. It's just the inherent goodness of Flash and just this, he's just so straight ahead that, well, that's what we do. Hey, everyone's, we got to team up. He loves talking about teaming up. And (laughs) everyone's just being who they are in this minute. Ming, he's going to be, he's going to make the offer because, of course, Ming makes the offer because he is impressed with Flash and why shouldn't he offer uh, a place on his team, and Flash is Flash is who he is. He's just going to, of course, say no. And uh, it, it's a very, and I said it's a very cool piece of, of dialogue. And uh, it, it's 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 a lot of fun to watch and try to get in everybody's head. Yeah, yeah, and their big blonde head. <laughs> <laughs> 
Brad, we should have we should have been. It's too bad we weren't keeping counts at the beginning about the percentage of guests who mentioned Flash's hair. <laughs> <laughs> it's so powerful, and sometimes <laughs> there's nothing else going on in his face, and you can just appreciate his hair, and it's so beautiful. <laughs> have Have you uh, talked about the earthquake thing? Um, about how could it be called an earthquake if they don't know it's called Earth? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to make sure because it was the first thing in the beginning of the movie. It, like, I was watching it last night and thinking they have to have talked about this in the first oh, yeah. minute. We I'm sure they talked about this. Yeah, we discussed it in the first minute. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, it, it has been uh, <laughs> yes, we talked about it and many, many people. It, it's just how can you not? Yeah, the movie really points to it in the first minute in particular. It really makes it clear. So, Brad, I, we have it, let, let's discuss the movie's time frame because I, th there's something in watching this minute about it, it's starting to get a little wacky about how long the humans have been on Mongo because Bing says they won't be quite the humans you remember when he's offering to Flash, you know, implying that they're going to be weak and slaves and they'll be satisfied with less. So if we figure day one is they land, they enter the Great Hall, Flash has the football fight. Day two is when he gets executed, he gets resurrected, uh, Aura takes him to Arborea. And let's say we're now on day three, the tree stump battle, they come to Hawkman City. So if I'm right, if it's only been three days, would can you say after only three days, no matter how bad the, the, the natural disasters are, would they not be quite the human beings you remember after only three days. Yeah, I mean, you barely, you barely have time to, like, you know, get a good, you know, five o'clock shadow going after three <laughs> days. Yeah, I, I took it as either that their spirits will be broken uh, by the, the terror and the knowledge that they don't have control over their destiny as much as they thought they did, or you can go super pulpy, campy, and imagine he does actually have some sort of a human mutation button that we haven't seen. And he's actually going to mutate people into, like, you know, frog people. Why not? Maybe he'll turn <laughs> humans into lizard men. Yeah, that's possible. It, it would be great if it was like, no, no, seriously. They're, they're, everyone's going to have a third leg. <laughs> <laughs> I've given them all blonde hair now to look like you, Flash. <laughs> the best human. Know that uh, I might be annoying everybody because he's already dead, and I keep talking about him. But I got <laughs> I got to mention Clytus one last time here because yeah. Clytus is Ming's number one guy, right? He was so loyal, he was so productive and efficient. They that this movie does not ha have a shot of Ming spending even a second looking at Clytus's body or lamenting his death or mentioning <laughs> Clytus is dead. Or, or anything like that. It's like when the, the, the Joker kills Bob in the first Batman, who's been his number one guy the whole movie, and he just blows him away. And to me, I found this very tropey that, you know, the bad guys don't care about their friends. They're just, you know, they're evil. That's, that's why they're bad. But, oh, the good guys, they don't, they, they're nice to their friends, and they care because that's why they're the good guys. And it's always a pet peeve of mine in movies and TV shows because in real life, they would be friends with each other and they would care if something bad happened to one of them. They wouldn't be just, they're bad, so they don't care about anybody, even their own friends. And I like the rare times in pop culture when you do show bad guys care about each other. The one that stands out to me is in Wrath of Khan. As all the guys start dying around him, Khan genuinely cares that all of his followers are dying around him. And so to me, that's a better villain than Ming here, 
the guy has probably been serving him for decades, and he's dead, and he doesn't even care. Oh, he was gonna marry. He was gonna marry him to his daughter. That was gonna be his son-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm sure he can... would have said, "Call me dad" at some point, right? <laughs> Call me dad. Maybe uh. <laughs> Maybe you can put him back together. Because th- doesn't Clytus, like, ooze a bit when he gets a... <laughs> Maybe he thinks, I can I can scrape the ooze up and put it back inside and <laughs> fill him back go- up. He's completely deflated. He'd have to pump <laughs> air back into him as well. Get some air. Yeah, Voltan can yell into him and fill him up. <laughs> uh, that, I think that's a great point. I, w- I was kind of wondering the same about Flash. You know, we're talking about him being a great hero. And he do- he totally reaches out uh, to uh, who-, who is Arbor Man? Who is uh, Timothy Dalton? What's his name? Aaron. Baron. 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 Right. Uh, so he to- Baron's a total jerk to Flash, but Flash still you know shows his uh, heroism by reaching out to him. And Flash never makes even the smallest attempt to reach out to Ming. <laughs> <laughs> he decides, and if, you know, in the in the film, he's correct that Ming is uh, merciless, and he is Ming the merciless. He doesn't Ming doesn't uh, care about Clytus, and maybe it's fun to imagine if Ming had been like, "Oh, Clytus, he was going to be my son-in-law." Then maybe Flash would have seen a, a bit of humanity and reached out to Ming. Yeah, I, I I completely get what you guys are saying, and Eric, there there could have been a very nice moment, and it didn't have to be big, but it also could have been a, a nice piece of things to move the dialogue forward of Ming showing up, walking. I don't, you don't even see Clytus's body in this scene. No, you don't. You could have just seen, <laughs> seen Clytus walk over, and it's like, oh, he, he he was a good servant, or even picking up the mask, and a little bit later we're going to see. Ming sort of making a point by dropping a goblet, and it could have just as easily been Clytus's mask, and it would have been even a more effective scene, perhaps. Right. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the things that made Khan, in all of his iterations, a really good, um, effective character, is he, he certainly was a bad guy, and he was arrogant, but... He he did care very much for his people, both in like the re- the reboots, where Khan had a point in the reboots, especially um, with the the Chris Pine film, um, and he, but even in the old, you know, he, he was a character who was driven by rage because he you know he lost the love of his life and blamed Kirk and but did show caring. He cared about his pet. You can't be a thousand percent bad if you care about your pet. Yeah. Ming should have at least uh, treated Clytus like a pet. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, the only other note I have left in this minute is we haven't delved uh, into Ming's head covering uh, yet, and it's just <laughs> it's I, I know it's based on you know the comic strip Ming he had, but it's just it's so shiny and it's it's got a widow's peak and sideburns. They designed a head covering for the a bald man <laughs> with a widow's peak and sideburns. I like that it is aggressively shiny, like it's a pretty clean shiny view of this world but that's the shiniest thing in the entire world is his helmet yes yeah it's brilliant uh, it's a great it's great costuming um we, we we mentioned it before when he first showed up and it's just uh very uh it's just very cool uh, just little things like the saber that he's carrying with him and uh all the it, it's a it's a fantastic it's a fantastic outfit and uh yeah, and he, and he pulls it off. He pulls it off. Yeah, and it looks a little a little Darth Vader like, and I'm sure they were fine with that too. The more Darth Vader, the more Star Wars, the better. So exactly, that's, that's smart thinking. <laughs> Joseph, this has been a fantastic first minute. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. 
Absolutely, I'm thrilled. Now, where can people find out about uh, more about your writing and your comedy? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram under my name. It's just my handle, so that's at Joseph Scrimshaw. And then upcoming shows, comedy albums, all my podcasts are on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. Very cool. And uh, Eric, where can people find out more about Flash Gordon Minute? Uh, you can hang out with us on Facebook in the Flash Gordon Minute Listener's Vortex. Uh, we are on Twitter, <laughs> Flash Gordon Pod. And we have an email address, flashgordonminute at gmail.com. Uh, we love to get your ratings and reviews on iTunes. The more rating and reviews we get, the, uh, the more visibility, the more people that find out about us, and the more uh, people that can share the fun. Well, uh, you know, Eric, this has been a, a great first minute of the week. We've got a fantastic guest, and, uh, you know, it's, it's just, we're just going to have more and more fun. But, uh, but this fantastic guest does present me a problem. Oh, because, uh, you know, we've sort of discussed it. Basically, Eric, you're the adult of the group that keeps us on track. And, you know, you, you find the guests and, you know, you, you do so much great work. And you're, you have a, an unparalleled expertise when it comes to the movie Flash Gordon. So basically my job is to, you know, basically hit the record button and say stuff funny every now and then. <laughs> but, but we have a professional funny guy with us. So what the hell's the point of me? Oh, well, if you're getting very existential here uh, as, as we travel through Mongo and, and you're thinking, you know, you know, who am I? You know, what am I? You know, why am I? Like they talk about Gamora and uh, Infinity War, that awesome line from uh, Drax. Don't worry about it, Brad. Flash will save every one of us. Attention listeners, you can follow us on Twitter at Flash Gordon Pod and join the conversation on Facebook in the Flash Gordon Minute Listener's Vortex. Stay tuned for our next thrilling episode of Flash Gordon Minute. Some people call me the Space Cowboy. Yeah. Some call me the Gangster of Love. Some people call me Maurice. <laughs> The pompatus of love People talk about me, baby Say I'm doing you wrong, doing you wrong Well, don't you worry, baby, don't worry Cause I'm right here, right here, right here, right here at home Cause I'm a picker I'm a grinner, I'm a lover, and I'm a sinner. I play my music in the sun. I'm a joker, I'm a smoker, I'm a midnight toker. I get my loving on the run. Thank you.